Well, um, as always, I think it seems like every time I, I share a message, I always start it off with, man, I was writing a message on a certain topic and I switched it at the last minute and I do that, it seems like, all the time. And so I have a file folder of, uh, of messages that I, I haven't preached because it's like God calls an audible on the play every time I want to I wanna preach, you know, but I'm always glad he does. And um, tonight, I'm actually going to be continuing in the current series uh, that Pastor Todd has us in on Sunday. Um, how many of you have been here on a Sunday and you know the series we're in? We're in a, a series titled Grow, and it's, it's on growth, the topic of growth, um, healthy growth. And uh, week one, just a real quick recap, week one, Pastor Brandon talked about the nature of growth. And he opened up the series, and the main point of the message was everyone can grow as long as they're intentional and they're dedicated to growing. So you got to want to grow to grow. Um, Pastor Todd continued on a, a message called Balanced Growth. And he talked about how it's important to grow in all areas of our life. If we like golf, we want to grow in our golf game, right? But if, if we don't like math or, or budgeting, we don't want to grow there. But how many of you know you got to grow in both, right? And so he talked about improving in your physical health, improving in your emotional health, your relational health, and then your spiritual health as well. And then finally, Pastor Kelly uh, preached on growing pains. And he talked about how uh, many times growth or tremendous growth comes out of a painful experience in life. And it should lead us to realize that our weakness is real, but also acknowledge that God's power isn't subject to our weakness. And, and he'll use that to bring greatness out of us, right, and growth out of us. And so Tonight, I'm going to continue in that series, and I want to talk about something that uh, I think has made one of the biggest impacts on my relationship with God and, uh, and, and, and on my life in, in general. And uh, if I'm being honest, a lot of people know my, my um, background or, or briefly know a story about me, but um, I, I wasn't always, I didn't always believe in God. I didn't always walk with God, and there was a season of my life um, that I just believed that God was not real. I was, I, I, I don't know if I ever called myself an atheist, but, um, I definitely was, you know. And, um, Jesus changed my life in, in a, in a spiritual way, but also in a practical way. It, it manifested through my life in a way that other people could see it was a difference. Um, but not just that, there were other things that happened that really drew my attention to, oh man, this is real. And, um, and what I want to talk about tonight is, is growing, but it's growing in spiritual gifts, growing in spiritual gifts. Um, I'll get into this later, but spiritual gifts kind of have a, uh, a unique taste to the church as a whole. And, and what I mean by that is there are certain denominations that they, they believe that, uh, spiritual gifts were for the time of the, uh, the apostles that followed the death of Jesus, but that's all, and that when they died, those things died off with them, and and uh, and that's their belief. Some people um, they only operate in those things all the time, and some people know them as uh, I heard a saying: "It too heavenly minded, no earthly good." Right? And uh, and so obviously Jesus or, or God is a God of balance in everything, and so um, the healthy thing is a balance of spiritual gifts, and um. On, on both the, uh, both of those ends of the scale, especially the one that they stopped today, it's, or, or that they don't exist today, it's, it's too late. I've already been ruined. 
I've got, I have too much experience with these things to believe that. And so that's a good thing. That's good news. And that's, that's why I want to talk about growing in spiritual gifts. So to open it up, I really want to start um, the foundation of this message on some scripture. Now, it's a little longer than normal, so just bear with me. But it's the word of God. It's really the best thing I can do is read that up here. And so um, if you just would follow along with me, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, starting in verse 1. It says, now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Let me pause real quick. A lot of times people don't understand how this ties into spiritual gifts. So Paul's talking to the Corinthian church. And one significant thing about that church is there were a lot of idols. And so like they had a God of fertility and they had a, a God of wisdom. And there were, there were all these different gods that they worshiped. And so they, they, they thought if I need wisdom, I have to worship this guy. If I want to know a, a prophetic word or something, I have to worship this God. And so he, Paul is talking to this church in Corinthians and saying, hey guys, listen, before this is how you worship, but now I want to show you um, really where that stuff comes from. And so in verse 4, we'll pick up. He says, there are different kinds of gifts, so he acknowledges that, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation, so that's what happens in the outward, of the Spirit is given for the common good, for the good of everybody, to one, there's given the spirit of the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge. And so a lot of people get these confused. Wisdom is really just knowing what to do with the information that you have. It's the best way I've heard it put. And then knowledge is something that you didn't know prior to that moment. And so God can give that. Um, to another, faith by the same spirit. Have you ever seen somebody who's against all odds? And God may have given them a word or, or, or told them to do something, and it's probably the hardest road they could possibly take. And you're watching them do their thing and thinking, man, I would be freaking out. But this person is just full of peace and steadfast in doing what they're doing. They have a faith that you can't explain. A lot of times, not every time, but a lot of times, that's the gift of faith. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy to another distinguishing between spirits or the gift of discernment, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues. That's the one that really freaks people out and, and gets people. Um, and still another, the interpretation in tongues. So to know what that person's saying when they're saying all that. And all of these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he gives to each one just as he determines. So a simple way to ball all that down is spiritual gifts or a supernatural gift that's given to natural people that should result in a practical impact on the lives of people around them. That's the simplest way that I think uh, we could put it. It's a supernatural gift given to natural people that should man manifest itself in a practical, usable way to people around them. And uh, just real quick, by a show of hands, um, let's start with this one. Who has ever... Uh, experienced some sort of a spiritual gift. Let me, just let me see your hands real quick. 
Okay, um, show of hands, who's hearing this and thinking, I came to the wrong church, I'm fixing to hit the back door. <laughs> give me give me 10 minutes, okay? I promise this is not going to turn weird. Um, who's re- Let me see your hands if you've, uh, if you've taken a spiritual gifts test before. That's awesome, okay. Just shameless plug. Uh, in Next Steps class, we, we actually give those. And so if you're interested, check out the Next Steps classes. Fusion uh, didn't really run this by the leaders yet, but here you go. Uh, we're going to be doing a spiritual gifts test uh, next week. So we'll be planning for that. Um, lastly, show of hands, who had a positive experience? Those of you who experienced spiritual gifts before, raise your hand if it was a positive one. Okay. And uh, one more time, if it was a negative experience. It's okay if it was. I've experienced both, so um, okay. Um, so I'm going to get into some of that um, as we go. But when I say that, maybe you received the word of knowledge. Maybe somebody gave you um, a word that said, hey, I just feel like God is saying this to you right now. And when they said it, you maybe had just journaled it or something, and, and, and you know God is speaking to you, right? Maybe he confirmed something. That happened to me Sunday. Um, just an example uh, was during worship. During a song, I just had the thought, and that's usually how God speaks, is a, is a thought that's a holy thought. And I had a thought um, about a certain phrase. And so I thought, man, that's crazy, okay. Well, second service, uh, during the same song, the person that, I, uh, uh, that was singing the song said the phrase that I thought of the first service. So then Pastor Todd asked us to start praying for the people next to us. And I'm praying for, for my wife. I'm praying for Angel. And afterwards, she turns and says, man, those first two songs and oh, those songs in both those services, it reminded me of this. And it was exactly what I thought, right? That's, that's the Lord giving me, you know, you know what I mean? That's, that can be a type of word of knowledge. Wisdom. Have, have you ever run into someone who knows just, they're so wise. They just have just practical wisdom. That's a, that could be a spiritual gift, um, and, and on and on. But did you know this? This is one of the heart behind this message is um, everybody, whether, even if they're not a Christian, if they know anything about Christianity, they understand the premise that Jesus came and he died. He lived a perfect, sinless life, and he came and he died, and he had one credit or, or a credit, if you look at it that way. While we all had debt, he had he had a credit, and he used his spotless blood, is what the credit was, to purchase us from eternal separation from God. And so that's what, that's what Jesus did. That's why he came to this earth. But salvation is not the end of a Christian's walk. It's really just the beginning. It's just the beginning of, of, of a Christian's walk. And to be honest with you, one of the most boring things in the world that a Christian could do is get saved and then do nothing with it. And that's so boring. I'm, I Honestly, if that was what it was about, I'd rather do something else. It's true. I'd just rather do something else, right? Jesus died for more than that. And I'll show you in Scripture, he says he did. In John chapter 16, verse 5, he says, But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you, the helper. Later in Acts, we read a continuation of this. So Jesus, 
He was crucified on the cross. He, he died, but he rose again. And before he descended into heaven or ascended into heaven, he spent, the Bible says, 40 days and 40 nights with the apostles, the disciples. Um, and while he was spending that time with them in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 says, On one occasion, while Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command. So it's a command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. That's what we just read. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So with everything that we just read, if we look at it in reverse, really what Jesus did was he gave the disciples a teaser and said, hey, look, when I, when I leave, I'm going to send you this, this helper, the Holy Spirit. And then when he died and came back, he reminded them, hey, guys, remember I was talking about that? Okay, it's coming. You wait. It's coming. And when it comes, you're going to be some witnesses, right? And then further in, in 1 Corinthians, we start to see that Paul's addressing a church who had these idols because they wanted these gifts, spiritual gifts from these idols. And he's saying, hey, wait, wait, the Holy Spirit, the one we were just talking about, is the one who gives those gifts. He's the one who gives those gifts. And so before I get into the meat and potatoes of this message, um, I heard a quote one time, and this is why I like to, um, I think studying for a message is important, obviously. Um, I think uh, preaching the message is important. But I think when you can have an experience with what you're preaching, I think that's huge too. I heard a, a, a pastor say this. It was, it was a great quote. Um, he said, a person with an experience is not at the mercy of a person with an opinion. And uh, when, he, when he said that, I remember when I had gotten saved, I was surrounded by a lot of opinions that was totally contrary to what had just happened to me. And, and really, it was my experience. I would get in my head about it and try to talk myself out of it. But then I would always end up with, but man, I'm stuck with what happened here. You know, and then the more I lived my life with the Lord, that kept happening. So I wanted to tell you a couple of, uh, of those examples. Right when I got saved, again, talking about spiritual gifts, right when I got uh, saved, I had, was following Jesus for probably a year. And um, I wanted to go to this uh, this conference out of state. And I didn't have anybody to go with, so I went by myself. It was in Hamilton, Alabama. Now, Hamilton, Alabama is a, a population of a 1,000. And when they have uh, a conference, they bring a 1,000, so they triple the size of the town just with their conference. So um, super small town. And there were these baptisms. And the baptisms were, there was like a natural stream. It was beautiful. It's a natural stream, um, and people drove out to this this field and stream, and they got baptized. Anybody want to get baptized? Got baptized in the water, and um, so it's the coolest thing. I had already been baptized, so I was standing on a rock, and I'm looking at the stream, and I'm just watching what's going on. Now, before I left for the trip, um, I had gotten some uh, some conflicting and in a way complimentary. Uh, things that had happened to me. I'll put it that way. And, uh, like three people, um, I was, I was, I had plans to graduate college. I was about to graduate college. And three people had randomly came up to me and said, like, Hey, look, you know, I know, I know you have a heart for, for business. I know you, you want to do those things. But, um, I think for at least a season, 
if not your life, you know, and, and no one was specific. And we'll talk about that later too, but no one was specific. But they said, man, I just feel like he, he, he's supposed to be in, in ministry. And um, I heard that a couple couple different times. And um, I hated it. <laughs> it's not what I had planned. And so uh, I'm at this I'm at this thing, I'm at this conference, and this guy I've never seen in my life comes up and um, spoke real broken English, and he was tapping me, and I turn around, and, and he's on this rock with me, and it wasn't, wasn't a big rock, so it was kind of a, kind of a weird thing, and so he was really close. And um, so I kind of shuffled over and said, hey, what's going on? He said, uh, you, you, uh, you a pastor? I said, uh, no, no. He said, yeah, you uh you businessman, you pastor. And I was like, um, no, mm-mm. He said, uh, no. I said, no, I'm not. I said, okay. So he walked away. So we're going back to um, our vehicles in this field. <laughs> and I hear, hey, hey, somebody screaming. And I turn, and there's this, this. if you could picture, he was probably, I'm, I'm not a tall guy, but he was short. When, when I when I look at something and say it's short, it's pretty short. So this guy's probably like five four, and he's just running after me, right? And then there's this poor lady who looks like she just had a baby because she's holding an infant, right? And she's trying to keep up with him, and he's flagging me down. I didn't know it was me. He was flagging someone down. There's tons of people around, and he gets up to me. He's out of breath, and he goes, "I can't leave until I tell you you a pastor and you you a businessman." You lied to me. And he thought I was lying to him. And I was like, no, sir, I, I ain't lying to you, right? But what he had no idea is that those were the things that I was wrestling with. I was wrestling with, what do I do? Do, do I go into ministry? I don't know. No one in my family ever went into ministry. I have a heart for business. What, what do I do there? But the Lord was, was, was trying to give me a word of knowledge, trying to give me a word of knowledge. That, that really happened. Right. Another quick one before we get into the message is um, how many of you know Aaron and Charity uh, Phillips? Some some people know them. Um, they come to church here. Aaron owns a, a, a mixed martial arts gym up the road. Um, he's one of my best friends. And um, we were at a conference, me, Aaron and a friend of ours, Cole. And Aaron was never the kind of guy. He just wasn't a flirt. He was none of us were married. Right. And uh he just wasn't a flirt at all. It just was not Aaron. You know, if Aaron was talking to a girl, it's probably because she was asking for directions or something. But but it, that just was not his M.O. So w- the conference ends one night, and me and Cole are looking for Aaron, and we can't find Aaron anywhere. And so uh, next thing you know, I look in where the conference room was, the main auditorium, and he's talking to some girl. And I cannot explain it to you. But I, I was so confident in it, I took a picture of it. And I told Cole right there, I said, dude, I don't know who that is, but I think he's going to marry that girl. And Cole was like, boss, be quiet, you know, stop playing. And I was like, no, I'm telling you. So I took a picture. And to this day, we still have, we still have the picture. At their wedding, they had the picture. But I knew it. And when he came back, I said, dude, I want to freak you out. I think you're going to marry that girl. And Aaron would have laughed that off any other time. But something happened to where it like startled him and almost like he believed it. You know, it was the weirdest thing. He ended up marrying her. And then another time, right? Now, I can't explain. I didn't ask for that to happen. It just happened. Well, one more thing. One time, 
um, me and a friend of mine was in, uh, I had graduated college and he was in his senior year of college and he was trying to figure out what he was going to do. And he was fixing to go into business with a guy and, um, and he was part of a ministry and we're sitting in Crowley. There's a, a subway, uh, and a Zeus like together in Crowley. And we're sitting in that, in that, some of you know the spot we're sitting in there and, um, I don't know why, but I had to tell him, I said, dude, I know you're about to leave this little place here and, and you're going to go and, and do this thing. And I'm being vague on purpose, but you're going to go and you're going to do this thing. The guy was about 22 years old at the time, super talented in business, but super talented in ministry. And I, and I don't know why I said, man, I, I feel like by the time you 25 years old, you're going to take that thing, that ministry place over. And he just laughed, you know, like, oh, that's ridiculous. There's somebody else in line to take it over already. It was just the weirdest thing. I said, man, I don't know how I'm, how I know this. Either time's going to tell, but either I'm crazy and that was some weird Zeus uh, stuff we just ate. But man, look, I'm telling you, I feel so confident. And, you know, he, he stayed involved, but he was really working with this other company. Well, um, I guess three years after that happened, um, we kept in touch. We still friends. He calls me up. He says, man, you got to meet me at a coffee shop. So I meet him at a coffee shop. He goes, he's got tears in his eyes. He's like shocked. Well, he said, man, I got to tell you something. So what? He said, dude, as of last week, I'm officially taking over that ministry and I'm getting out of what I, what I was doing. I was like, what? He said, dude, guess what Wednesday is? Well, Friday was the day he, we met up. I said, what? He said, my 25th birthday. I said, no way, no way. And, um, and that happened. That really happened. Now, I can't deny that, look, that wasn't of me. Remember the Bible we just read says the spirit gives those gifts, right? It's not Brady, right? I, I don't have wisdom to, to not go buy a coffee and make my own coffee at home sometimes, right? If I'm trying to save money, I, it ain't me. It's the Holy Spirit. But because of those, those simple examples, there's bigger levels than that. There's more stories than that. And so developing spiritual gifts is really like a muscle. And, and, and so I want to get into that part. But a visual that I would say um, for the rest of tonight would be this visual. When I go grocery shopping, um, I do the best I can to not let Angel grab any bags, even though she tries to grab the bags. And I grab as many bags in both hands as I can. And I just walk to the house. And in my mind, what that looks like is it's sunny outside, um, probably 20 pounds more muscle, and the wind's blowing, and Angel's like, oh, my gosh, look at my strong husband carrying those groceries, <sighs> you know. And But in reality, I look so awkward. I'm, I'm hitting the eggs on the door frame, and right, it, no one would look at me and say, man, that dude's gifted, right? But if you're flipping through ESPN, and you see this dude holding a bar and pulling a Mack truck, people are like, dude, that dude's, that dude's gifted. That dude's, people would look at that and be impressed a whole lot more than they would look at me trying to carry some Rouse's bags, right? The difference is that dude's been using his muscles in an area, in a way that makes him really grow. And so somebody, some people can have a spiritual gift and it's just so small, you don't even notice it. But when you focus on it and grow, that's when it, that's when it's a noticeable difference. And so the first point tonight 
um, or the first step on how to grow in spiritual gifts is desire, is desire. Now, I know this is simple, but 1 Corinthians 14 says, pursue love, yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Psalms 37.4 says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires and secret petitions of your heart. He'll give you the desires and secret petitions of your heart. I know it's simple, but reality is most Christians, much less most people, but most Christians don't really desire a spiritual gift. They just, it's just not something that hits the screen of your mind. Um, the problem with that is that desire is, is what leads to seeking, pursuing, and the willingness to learn. So how many of you have watched, um, does anybody remember? I can't remember if it's the, it's not the thigh master. It was this like thing in the nineties that people worked out and they put between their legs and they squeezed their legs together. It was, it was a thigh master. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever watched the thigh master infomercial? I'm just kidding. Have you ever watched the Bowflex infomercial? And you're like, man, look how shredded that person is. I'm a, I'm a look just like that. And you writing the number down and taking a bite of ice cream and eating a cookie. And you're like, yeah, that looks cool. And you just, and next thing you know, you forget and you see the number on the table and you're like, ooh, you know what? I should, I should do that. And then later you're like, oh man, P90X? Is that Chuck Norris with a total gym? Like, if that's what Chuck Norris did to be so cool, like, I need to call that number. But the reality is we'll do that. But we'll never call it. And, and the only way you can actually grow is to actually buy the product and use it. So one of the things that I've learned is that because spiritual gifts are a muscle, if we don't desire them to work at them enough, then we're sitting on a spiritual couch, eating spiritual ice cream, watching a spiritual infomercial about the Bowflex, and we never getting anywhere, Right? That's just a word picture. That's what that is in the spirit. So we can't ever develop any spiritual muscles that way. But Luke 11, verse 11 says this, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil in nature, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? John 14, 12 says this, I tell you the truth, this is Jesus talking, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to my Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So the, the step one in growing in spiritual gifts, though it be simple, is desire. How many of you desire to save a lot of money. I mean, that's pretty generic, right? I desire to save a lot of money. Um, I've listened to Dave Ramsey. Um, I've, I've, I've talked to older people who are financially successful and talked about an envelope system and a Roth IRA and all these types of things. How many of you know you could talk to those types of people and learn all that information and you ain't never saving any money until you do it, right? You have to really desire. So point made. Um, number two is posture. Uh, second thing is posture. How many of you know posture is, is super important? 
in anything, really. I don't know if you had a mom like mine, but if I was slouching, my mom used to snap her, clap her hands and tell me, put your shoulders back, put your chin up, face the world. She used to tell me that. Put your shoulders back, put your, put your chin up, face the world. Don't, don't look down at the ground. Fix your posture. And I used to hear that all the time. My granny would tell me that all the time. And, um, but my granny would slap me on the butt before she'd say it. And so I would fix my posture. Um, but I noticed that posture is just, is just important in everything. Um, another example, have you ever been working out and you've seen someone who's got terrible form? If you're at the gym or, or something like that, I'll give you an example. Bench press is the most common exercise for men. It's just, that's statistically the most common exercise for men. But most people go halfway down and the range of motion should be all the way down. And they can do that for years and years and years. But the reality is years will pass. They don't look like they work out and they never develop any strength. Why? Because they're not doing it with the right form. They're not doing it with the right posture. That's the same thing when it comes to spiritual gifts. When you don't have the right posture for spiritual gifts, you're never going to get any headway. And I'm going to talk about those things. There's three things, examples of posture. The first one is you have to have a posture, a heart posture of love. It has to be done from a place of love. You have to grow in spiritual gifts from a place of love. And I'll read this to you in 1 Corinthians 12, 29. It says, are all prophets, are all teachers? Are all apostles to all work miracles? Do all have the gift of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But eagerly desire the greater gift. And now I will show you the most excellent way. And so when the Bible was written, it, they didn't have chapters and, and verses and all that stuff. That was kind of added later uh, to be able to get through and find your place and stuff. So this is one chapter going into another, but it's on the subject of spiritual gifts. So we all hear this verse at weddings a lot. But this is what it's about. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I don't have love, I'm like a loud, resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. It's really aggravating, right? If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the the, uh, mysteries and all knowledge, and I have a faith that can move mountains, but I have not love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to flames, so I sacrifice everything, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. So why is it important to have a posture of love to grow in spiritual gifts? Well, like we talked about, spiritual gifts are a muscle, and no one's just born uh, with the gift of healing, or no one's just born with a prophetic gift, or that just doesn't happen. No, one, You have to grow in that. I heard a story of a guy one time who he had a, he had a prophetic gift, and he, he didn't always have a platform. And uh, one day he, he got a platform, he got a microphone, and he had developed this spiritual gift. And he was preaching, and um, the Lord gave him a word of knowledge about a young man in the audience. And, um, and I actually heard this in college from the young man. And um, so the guy said, hey, young man, and he pointed at him. He said, the Lord just showed me that you're looking at pornography, and you need to stop. He said that in front of everybody in the whole church. And that dude got so embarrassed, he, he never went back to that church, and he walked away from God, right? And um, the, how many of you know that wasn't a very loving thing to do? 
guess what? That guy doesn't have a platform anymore, and he really doesn't have any influence. Doing all that stuff through a heart of love will keep you having influence, and it'll keep you having the right platform. Maybe if the Lord showed him that, maybe the thing to do would just be like, man, hey, the Lord just spoke something to me, and I really want to share it with you. Could I see you after service? Oh, yes, sir. Next thing you know, after service, you said, man, can, can I just pray for you? I feel like the Lord's just it's calling you to a, a higher level of purity in life. Can I just, you're getting the point across the same way. One's in a loving way, and one is totally not, right? And so we have to have a posture of love. In order to have those spiritual gifts and that, and that posture of love, you have to be committed to the second, the second posture. And it's a posture of humility. Um, Matthew 16, uh, chapter 16, verse 15 says this. It says, uh, Peter's talking. He says, but what about you? Jesus asked. I'm sorry. Jesus is talking to Peter. What about you? Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you're the Christ, the son of God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my father in heaven. So what's that have to do with spiritual gifts and humility? Jesus is acknowledging that Peter's revelation was not because Peter was so smart. It was because God gave him that revelation. See, humility in the area of spiritual gifts is a constant realization and posture that says, this is not of me, this is of God. And so it's given a constant credit to the Lord. It's given the constant glory to the Lord. James chapter 4, verse 6 has a promise attached to this. It says, what do you think the scriptures mean when they say that the Holy Spirit, whom God has placed within us, jealousy longs for us to be faithful. So he's saying that the Holy Spirit wants us to be faithful and that he lives in us. He wants us to be faithful to God. He gives us more and more strength to stand against such evil desires. As scriptures say, God set himself against the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. Another way to say favor is empowerment. He gives empowerment to the humble. And so because of that, humility also should tell us that we're not perfect, right? Um, in reality, I don't know that the guy that I mentioned that gave that word, I don't know that he ever learned that lesson from that. Um, but I do believe that because we're not per not perfect and God knows we're not perfect, I'm, I'm sure that God gives us, I know that God gives us chances to learn from our mistakes. So I'm not bashing that guy. As a matter of fact, because we're not perfect, and the area of, of spiritual gifts is more of a reason to be humble about, about those things. And I'll give you one more example. Um, if, you know, the gift of prophecy, right? Um, or that word of knowledge. Um, if, a, if a person, let's say the Lord gives somebody, um, even in a moment, the gift of prophecy or a word of knowledge, and they go and they share that with someone. Let's say Joe gets a word for Sue and says, hey, Sue, uh, the Lord gave me a word for you. And Sue's like, oh, all right. And then Joe says, boom, 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 whatever the word is. And it doesn't rub Sue the right way. Sue needs to let him know that or John know that. And John needs to be able to say, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm sorry about that. I, I could have missed that, right? The way that we give is super important. There's, there's a way to say, thus saith the Lord. Whenever that comes, sometimes my antennas go, whoa, thus saith the Man, when you're speaking on God's behalf, you got to be really careful, right? I think the better approach when it comes to, or a humble approach would be, hey, look, I'm human. I totally miss it. I think this is something that might be for you. 
I'm going to tell it to you. You judge it. If it don't, if it don't sit well with you, please forgive me. I must have ate some bad pizza or something. Don't believe that. Okay. But if it does bear witness with you, if it does, can you just, can you just take that to the Lord? Can you just take that up with God? And, and I'll have done my, my part. Two different ways of, of approaching it, but one's in a humble way and the other one is, is just not. Matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it says, let two or three prophesy and let the others evaluate what is said. So it's actually given instructions whenever that particular spiritual gift is happening that someone should prophesy and then someone else should be evaluating what he said. In, in 1 John chapter 4, it says, dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world, right? And so that scripture has a common a connotation of somebody with malicious intent who just wants to deceive you and stuff like that. But the reality is sometimes we just we get it wrong. We just get it wrong. And it's, it, and it's not malicious. It's just we get it wrong. That's why that second posture... First one, you got to have a posture of love. The second one, you have to have a posture of humility. Finally, the third posture that we need to have is accountability. Accountability is so important. And um, it seems like that's a thing that's, it kind of fades sometimes. But in Romans 13, it says, everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. And so church has a government. God set up a government in the church. And it talks about that in Ephesians, and it talks about that in Corinthians. There is a government. There is order, and there is structure in a church. And there's a reason for that. Um, when a pastor, I'll just give another example of accountability, right? So let's say a pastor is leading a service, and... Um, Somebody comes up and they say, hey, I have a word I need to share. If the pastor, the pastor says, okay, can you share it with me? The reason the pastor's asking, hey, can you share it with me is because God's entrusted that person for this time to, to oversee anything that's being said. And so when the Bible talks about people who minister, it actually says that they will be held to a stricter judgment when they go to heaven. So there is a weight that whoever's leading the service feels, man, I can't just let anybody get up and give a spaghetti recipe. You know what I mean? Like it has to be, I got to bear, it has to bear witness with me. So the chances are if a pastor says, yeah, um, absolutely, here's the microphone, shares that word, wonderful. But because accountability is important, if the pastor says, hey, you know what? I just, I don't think that's a word for right now, but thank you for, you know, thank you for coming up and sharing it. If that person's response is to walk away offended, they don't want accountability. And the reality is somebody who doesn't want accountability, their best hope is just to go rogue at that point. Not best hope. The best hope is to be accountable, right, and humble themselves. But realistically, what I, the way I want to say it is what their future consists of is just to, to do their own thing, unfortunately. But if they can come back, hey, it, why, why wasn't I able to share? That pastor might say, honestly, I just felt like we needed to go on with the service. That pastor might say, man, something that was said kind of rubbed me wrong. Maybe I didn't understand it right. Let's talk about it. But he's going to pastor the situation, right? So because accountability is important, remember I, I told that story about that guy getting burned. Um, John Bevere uh, told this analogy about spiritual gifts. And um, I thought it was 
really painted a good picture. But he said there was this guy who uh, he had an apartment building. He was just kind of a lonely guy, and uh, he lived by himself. And he was uh, he'd get up in the morning. And he had a little puppy. He just bought him a little puppy. And he'd get up in the morning, and he'd fix his little bowl of, of uh, puppy chow or whatever and, and uh, water right next to him while he'd cook his eggs and, and stuff on the stove. And one morning he was cooking, and he was boiling some water on the stove and boiling some eggs. And he turned real quick, and he knocked the boiling water off of the stove, and it fell on the, the puppy. And it burnt the puppy. It scolded the puppy. And... As a result, the puppy was terrified of water, and he quit drinking water. And so it got really dehydrated. He had to bring the puppy to the vet, and they had to give the puppy an IV. Every every girl or lady in this room has this so sad face on right now. But anyway, uh, and I get it. It is sad. So the the puppy had to get an IV and um and be coached to drink water again. And John Bevere said that's a perfect picture of spiritual gifts. He said. The reality is we need them. God would not have given us those things for no reason if we didn't need spiritual gifts. But in, in several situations where there may not be accountability per se, or there may not be a posture of love, or there may not be a posture of humility, people get scolded, and now they don't want it, right? And so why is posture overall so important? That's why. It's so that we can keep that thing, that precious gift that God gives to us in a healthy spot so that we don't get crazy way off in left field, but we don't totally throw it out, uh, throw the baby out with the bathwater, uh, so to say. So, so overall, those three things, love, humility, and accountability are the posture. And then lastly, it's simple, but we have to, we have to take action because this is a muscle. We have to use the muscle. We have to use those spiritual gifts. Once we desire those things and we start to ask God specifically for whatever it is that you're desiring, um, we have to posture and then use it. Um, I love this quote. It says, someday is not a day of the week. <laughs> it's just not, not a day of the week. Um, people say about anything, oh, I'm going to get to that someday or one day. And it just, there's no better day to start than today, right? Um, so how how do I start? How how, how where do, where do where do you even start? Um, I'm I'm gonna tell another example of this, but start small. Um, a good friend of mine had recommended a book to me, and um, it's one of the best is really one of the best leadership books. I know every time I preach, it seems like I'm talking about a certain book. Um, it's one of the best leadership books that I've read, and um, it's called Extreme Ownership. Does anybody? Ever, I know a couple of people have read that, but uh, if you haven't, and you're you're in a leadership position, or or you're under a leadership position, it's a great book, Extreme Ownership. But what it is is these two Navy SEALs, and uh, they led several Navy SEAL battalions overseas, and they they did a lot of Navy SEAL training and extensive extensive stuff, and they learned what leadership was like under the pressure of war. They they learned how to lead a bunch of people who are getting shot at, who can't think or hear anything. They can't think straight, but they still lead them to make big, crucial decisions under about the, the most weighty thing you could ever be under, right? And so what happens was he came back, he wrote a book, and he geared it towards the business world. And he goes around teaching business leaders um, a lot of the principles of leadership. And one story he tells to me illustrates this principle about starting small, starting somewhere. 
He said there was this uh, operation called Cop Falcon, and it was overseas in the Middle East, and there was a brand new uh, Navy SEAL team out of, just fresh out of Bud's camp, and it was like their first, uh, first hoorah, you know, their first chance to get out there and, and do their thing. And there was a mission that, um, that needed to be done, and the area was in zones. So there'd be like a clear zone, and that's where the base is at. And then like a five-mile radius outside of the base, for example, or a one-mile radius outside of the base would be a yellow zone. And then from that, a three-mile radius would be an orange zone. And then anything out of that, five miles or better, would be like the red zone. And, and they zone these things because of the hostility in those zones. So these guys who are brand new, they said, man, we want, we want to take that mission to go into the red zone. And the guy leading the team, the SEAL leader, uh, which is one of the authors, he kept trying to talk the guy down, talk the guy down, talk the guy down, saying, hey, look, you don't know what it's like out there. When you get just to the first zone, you're going to encounter a lot of stuff you didn't expect. Things are going to go wrong that you didn't think would go wrong. You're going to have to fix those things while still doing other things. There's just so much that's going to happen. And so what they ended up doing is talking them into going to the first zone, and sure enough, that's what happened. A bunch of stuff unexpected happened and they did well but had they gone further than that I don't know that they would have really lived to tell about it kind of what they what they talk about and his point there was start small do well small and then go then go a little bigger the wisdom of what that navy seal officer was talking about is is really just it's two principles that's actually found in scripture zechariah uh chapter 4 verse 10 says do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Don't despise a small thing. And in Luke 6.10 says, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is also unjust in much. So what does that look like practically? The gift of encouragement, that's a gift. So let's say you pray and you feel like, man, I think I might have the gift of encouragement. Well, man, that could look like you're driving to work. Some random person hits your mind. You say a little prayer for them and you shoot them a text. Hey, hope you're having a great day. As simple as that is, that's where that can grow. Um, the gift of hospitality. People, what is that? It, the gift of hospitality, best way I know how to put that is, if you're ever around someone and you just feel like you're at home, when you're around that person. They just make you feel like you're the only person sitting right there in the room. That person has the gift of hospitality. There are small ways that you can do that. One of the ways we, we have lobby hosts here, and that's something that we encourage people who have that gift to get involved in. Because when people come, you want to make them feel at home. Um, maybe it's a prophetic gift. Maybe you feel like, man, I feel like God gives me like some foresight, and I don't really know what to do with it. I was talking to a lady recently, and um, I, I just encourage, I say, hey, you know what you might want to do? Why don't you just get a journal and why don't you just write them down? And if you get it wrong, you ain't hurting nobody. And if you get it right, you starting to build some confidence and wait a minute, I might really be hearing what, what God has to say here, right? It's a very controlled way to learn. And so my point is this, we could go through every gift and, and try to come up with a way, just like the Holy Spirit gives gifts, he teaches too. He teaches. You know, I don't, I, I, honestly, I couldn't teach every gift. I, unless the Holy Spirit taught through me, I don't know all, of, all about 
all of them in deep detail. But as I was studying, I was thinking, you know, a lot of times people think of these big spiritual gifts like the gift of prophecy or the word of knowledge, and, and those are great, right? The Bible said, I desire that you would even have that gift to prophesy, to see things that are coming up. But sometimes the biggest impacting gifts are the simplest looking ones, like the gift of encouragement. The gift of, uh, of prophecy is, is not uh, what we would think as simple. The gift of healing is not what we think is simple. Hospitality. Uh, we were reflecting this past week. We had a book study, and uh, we're just kind of, as a staff, just reflecting on Miss Gail's funeral. And, um, and Pastor Todd had kind of led us into thinking, like, man, um, what do you guys think about that? And so for those of you who, who either didn't know Miss Gail or are unfamiliar, that's Brandon's mom, she, and she passed. And uh, they had a funeral here this past week. And um, they had more people here than they would have at a 25-year-old's funeral. It was packed. And now people came to support Pastor Brandon, but people came from Miss Gale. And and people got up here and eulogized. And something that we talked about was she had a, a range. She had a range of influence in her life that was unbelievable. Um, she had a capacity to be able to talk to someone, be 100% present, and remember everything they were, they were telling her, and bring it up later to continue the conversation. And not just 10 people, a ton of people. And when you were talking to her, she made you feel like you were the most important thing in her world at that time. And what happens is that little text message, hey, just thinking about you, praying for you, it seems like, is that really a spiritual gift? I'm telling you, I have a hard time juggling 20 relationships. I don't know how in any other way than it being a spiritual gift for her to have hundreds, a hundred plus people here. And there's something to be said. I'll just say it like this. There's something to be said when you can have the CEO and the janitor in the same, at the same kitchen table all getting along and there's one person that brought them together. That's a gift of hospitality. And so whatever it is, your gifts will make a way for you. Proverbs 18, 16, a man's gifts make room for him and bring him before great men. So when you're thinking about spiritual gifts, the baby steps over a long period of time, they add up to be the biggest deal. They add up to be the biggest deal. So like I mentioned, the Lord will direct your thoughts and he'll speak to you. And so before we, we leave service tonight, I want to take a moment and let that let that happen. And so if you can, why don't you stand with me? And um we're just gonna just pray right where you are. But if you if you don't mind, um just close your eyes and um and just get alone with uh, with your thoughts and with the Lord and just kind of begin to just think on God. One of my favorite things to do is just say, hey, hey, God, what's happening? I'm, I'm, I'm here. And I, and I just start to think on things of God. We talked about ways to grow in our spiritual gifts. We talked about desiring them, posturing to receive them, action, taking action. Maybe you're here and you desire to grow in an area. Maybe you desire to grow in a spiritual gift area. Maybe that Desire is there, but you need the Holy Spirit to critique your posture. He's a, he's a helper. Maybe he needs to critique your posture. Maybe it's, it's love needs to be added to that posture. Humility 
or accountability. Maybe you need to pray for an opportunity to step into action. But wherever you fit, wherever you fit in those in those gifts, God is a very tedious God. So he, he wants to help you along the way. I'm going to pray over you. And while I'm praying over you, I would like you to just have a dialogue with God about where you might fit on that on that spectrum. And so Jesus, I just pray for every person in this room. Lord, everybody has a different gift. Everybody has different influence. Lord, some of us are surrounded by 10 people. Some of us are surrounded by 100 people. Lord, you would want to use every person in this room. You do want to use every person in this room. And God, you're never going to give us a, a gift that we don't desire. It's not like we're just going to ask for a gift and you're going to give us a snake, right? Lord, we know that the gift that we're asking for is going to fit our personality. Lord, maybe it's a gift of wisdom. Maybe, maybe it's the gift of wisdom. Maybe it's a gift of hospitality. Maybe it's a gift of encouragement. Maybe it's a prophetic gift or a word of knowledge gift. Whatever it is, Lord, I just pray that in this moment that you would meet desire with an answer. That if somebody genuinely desires in their heart a spiritual gift, that you would impart that to them right now. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Now, with heads still bowed, real quick, the biggest gift, all those spiritual gifts, those things end when we get to heaven. Because you don't need to prophesy, you're already in heaven. You don't need all those other things. Hospitality, there isn't a more hospitable place, right? But there's one in the spiritual gifts, there's one thing that never fails, that's love, because God is love. That goes on forever. But the way to get to heaven is to receive the biggest gift of all, and that's the gift that Jesus gave us. That's, that's the gift of salvation. And so simply put, no one on this earth is perfect and no one leaves this earth perfect. The reality is we all mess up. We all fall short of God's standard. And Jesus came down and he lived a perfect life according to God's standard. And he gave us the best gift by saying, hey, if you'll just acknowledge that you didn't live a perfect life, but I would like to give you the gift of salvation if you would just ask me into, into your heart, and just repent of your sins, I'll heal your heart. I'll come to, to take residence in your heart. The Holy Spirit will live in you, and you're going to spend eternity in paradise. If that's you and you never received that gift, no one's looking around. Everybody's head's bowed. Just slip up your hand. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to uh, ask you to come up. None of that stuff. I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to point you out. Nothing. But if that's you and you'd say, that's a gift, actually, I, I don't know that I really received. I've heard this a million times, but I don't think I really received that. Just slip up your hand. Just take a few moments. Your heart's kind of beating a little bit. That, that's usually an indicator. Thank you, Jesus. Well, as we close tonight, I want to pray just one final thing that was on my mind uh, when I came up here. Um, Lord, I just pray that every person in this room, you would open doors for them that no man could open. And Lord, I pray that you would close doors that need to be closed in their life that only you could close. And God, I just pray that you would give everybody the wisdom that's to know the things to do in the season they're in with the information they have, that you would give everybody the wisdom that they need in order to make the decisions they need to make. And Lord, we seal all of that in Jesus' name. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys. It's always an honor to do this. Love you guys. If y'all need prayer for anything, 
um, you can come up front and we'll pray.